0: Paul is without repentance, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I ditched Britney Spears today. I just couldn't deal with it. So she wasn't cooperating, and I said enough. So um, so good to be back and to see you all and to be here. And um, Many of you who do not know me, my name is Chip Payne. I, I used to be on staff here at the church, and my wife and my family and I, I have four girls, and We've been in a year-long transition. It's actually going to be a year, September 30th. And um, and I just to give you all some update very briefly, um, a number of weeks ago, um, I encountered the Lord because David Halcombe came over to me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to lead you into an encounter, and in that encounter um, – while I was there I was so in I was in him in the in the place of looking outside from his perspective and I just said well while I'm this close while I'm here I'm gonna come into some agreement and um, and I started making some declarations and not not even before I left the service my phone started ringing and in one day I had three opportunity knock at my door Um, that were not in the direction that Kat and I were thinking. They were not what we were expecting. Um, Can you guess where that might have been leading us? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) ministry. (laughs) So um, subsequent to that, some of those doors have closed, and I knew some of them weren't going to be a right fit anyway, but it was significant in that we felt like we needed to be stewards of every opportunity the Lord was presenting to us. Even to the point my wife came to me and said, I know the Lord is speaking to my heart that I need to be open to you going back into ministry, even though it's not what I I expected. And so we are continuing to endeavor to journey with him. Um, The the words that keep coming, the encouragement of the Lord that keeps coming is that we're in a season of preparation. Um, Just God's favor, I was connected to Max Licato's church down in Oak Hill. They... Connected me with one of their senior leaders, who is a licensed counselor and a pastor himself, and just they wanted us to bless. So he, he listened to my story, and his word was, "You're in a season of preparation. God has a plan for you, but you're in a holding pattern because God is preparing you. Don't don't worry. It's coming. It's going to be okay." So <clears throat> I am uh I'm at the point of. In Revelations 3, which is a life verse, I'm just confessing it, um, he opens what no one can shut, and he shuts what no one can open. You can do everything that you can try to do in the natural to do the right thing, the right thing, and it can be a shut door. And I've just learned, you know, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Can I just declare that over you? If there, if there are areas in your life that just don't seem to budge, it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with you. God's always looking for the opportunity to change you and transform you. Okay? <laughs> he's the equal opportunity transformer. Okay? But it's about walking it out with Him and partnering with Him and journeying with Him. Okay? And we're continuing the journey. God is faithful. Um, we're still ministering to Kat's dad who's dying from cancer and ministering to her family. And, and so we 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 know that the hand of the Lord is upon us and we're doing what we're supposed to do. So, all right. Thank you so much for that opportunity to give you a brief update on the day in the life of the Payne family. So... I have several scriptures. I am not going to speak to your mind in your Greek thinking today. We are going to speak from a more Hebrew mindset, which is a more of a mindset of encounter and journey. How many of you know that Greek is linear thinking? A to B is a straight line. Hebrew thinking is, let's go in circles. <laughs> yeah. Oy vey. <laughs> So, um, in that, speaking of, how many of you know that this past week was Rosh Hashanah? Come on. For you, you that do not know what that is, Rosh Hashanah is really, literally translated, as, it's the head. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the year. And um, last year, actually, when I was still on staff, I preached a message about the, the Hebrew year 5774, which was last year, and the Hebrew characters, Ayen and Dalet which represented the numbers in 5774, some of those numbers. Um, And it was declared by many, um, not only by myself, that it was the year of the open door. Last year, as many of you know, I stepped through an open door, didn't I? Um, This year is the year 5775. It is the year of the heavenly door. This ties back into what I was saying in Revelation 3. He opens what no one can shut, and he shuts what no one can open. But what I'm going to prophesy over you right now corporately is this is the year of God's door for you. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand up this morning. And we're going to do a prophetic act together as a congregation. We're going to say yes to the Lord. And we're going to take a step forward. Don't worry about the chairs in front of you. We can put them back, all right? So... So, Father, we just partner with you this morning. God, we just want to say, God, we want to get out of our natural thinking and come into align with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in our midst and what you're doing in our families, what you're doing in us as the family of God. And, Father, today we say, Lord, we partner with you. We say, yes, Daddy. Yes. And, Lord, we just say, this is the year of your door. And, Lord, we say we step forward. Take a step forward. We step forward through the threshold. Ah! And we say we embrace it, we receive it, and may it be established. And when we step through, Father, may the door slam shut behind us, that there would be no going back. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. 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 So, we're, I, I, Rifle, are we finishing up mountaintop experiences today? Okay, so this is the end of mountaintop experiences. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stretch you a little bit today, like I said earlier. We're gonna move, we're, I'm going to do a little bit of Greek and a lot of Hebrew, okay? I am more and more convinced that the Word of God is, is yes, it's good for gaining knowledge, but that knowledge that the Word of God itself is living and active, And it's a portal, it's a gateway into heavenly encounter. We're not just supposed to read this word and dissect it in our minds. We're supposed to, yes, use our minds because God wants us to worship him with our minds. But our minds also have what's called the imagination. And more and more and more, I am discovering the power of the Spirit upon the screen of my imagination. To take this right here, which is a book printed on paper with ink and for it to become an encounter on the screen of my imagination by encountering God. Your imagination is for creativity because he's the creator. But he designed you and gave you your imagination as a portal, a doorway, a gateway into heaven so that you can see that which is in heaven and do what you see the Father do. I'm going to stretch you this morning. Okay. For any of you who think that I'm absolutely crazy, I do have a master's degree. I am a smart guy. I am not completely loony, but I have embraced my weirdness. (laughs) Right? I'm going to go through these scriptures fairly quickly. Are you going to help me out there, buddy? All right, Matthew 5, 6. Because we are talking about the Sermon on the Mount, I thought it would be good to pick the Scripture that's in the Sermon on the Mount that applies to what we're going to encounter. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What was the problem in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant? No one could be righteous. No one was righteous. No, not one what What was the what did unrighteousness do to us? What did it do to Adam and Eve? What did it do to all the people of Israel? What did it do to every Gentile? It separated us from God, right? In the Old Testament, David, here we go. in the Old Testament, when there, whenever God showed up, what was one of the frequent things that marked the presence of God in the Old Testament? Who said cloud? who's me? Come on, there you go. Come on. A cloud. What did the cloud look like? It was dark. Fire, lightning, thunder. As a matter of fact, in in Exodus it talks about when the when when God came upon the mountain and it said there was fi- it was it was not a pretty little white cloud, guys. It was a dark, ominous, thundering, lightning cloud. So much so Yet God came down in that cloud and he spoke to Moses, gave him the law, right? This is quoted over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And and it has to pertain to righteousness because I think the dark cloud is a representation of the veil that was in the temple before the Holy of Holies. It's what separated us from God. It was his wrath, his anger, his justice. And so many times in our encounter with God, we still look at the dark cloud and we still fear fear the judgment of God in our lives. This is what Rich was testifying about. Hearing the accusation of the enemy against you. And what happens is, is because guilt and condemnation come upon our conscience because of the lie of the enemy... We we choose not to step in boldly through the dark cloud into the presence of his throne room. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's turn to Hebrews one eight, please. I don't hear any Bibles flipping. Are y'all using your Bible apps? Come on. <laughs> Please tell me you're opening up the Word. It's a gateway into encounter. Open up the Word. Let your, let your eyes gaze upon His Word, who is a person. Come on. The Word is a person. It's not a book. It is not a book. It's a person. And the person who is the Word is in this book. And if you will allow it, it will open you up and take you into encounters with Him who is the person of the Word. Amen? So Hebrews 1.8, are we there? Yes. But, the son, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, how many of you know what a scepter is? Okay. Well, I might give you some new information today because we know that we think about the scepter that's in the state capital here in Virginia. Did you know there's a scepter that's in the state capital of Virginia that was given to us by Royalty, back when we were a colony, and it still sits in our state capital today. That the the royalty of Europe, even King Queen Elizabeth, God bless her. Long live the queen, right? I like Queen Elizabeth, you know? So anyway, she she has a scepter in her royal treasury that is used for circumstance. What is that scepter designed to convey? It It is designed to convey authority. Authority, kingly authority, okay? What is interesting doing my research about the significance of a scepter is, is that it what, what we see now today as a scepter has basically been a, a transformed image of what was really to be a staff. Many scepters are actually supposed to be as tall as a man is and held as a staff. Who in the Old Testament had a staff? Come on. Moses was given a staff by God to represent what? God's authority. Is, is this, is this, are you all clicking with this a little bit? Yeah? Okay, good. All right.
1: So he gives a scepter to,
0: to Jesus. Your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever, and a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Let's rule Romans turn to Romans, Romans, Romans. I'm not gonna flip there just to save time. Go to Romans because we don't have a lot of time, please. Romans five eight. Did we pull it up? Somebody read it out loud. Is it up there? Five seventeen, sorry. For if one man's offense, or I'm sorry, for if one, let's try that again. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness will reign in life, reign in this life through the one Jesus Christ. I want to break this down very simply for you. How many of you know that I am a kingdom of God? Uh, I'm a kingdom guy. I preach the gospel of the kingdom, not a gospel of salvation. A gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is good news. The good news. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, guys. This is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It is interesting that we are called. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are called to rule and reign in this life. How are we to rule and reign? Through what? Righteousness. We're called to rule and reign through righteousness. Now, what is it that marks the kingdom? When we demonstrate the kingdom, when we live out the kingdom, what are some of the things that are supposed to demonstrate and mark and testify of the kingdom of God? Shout it out. Love, fruit of the Spirit, signs and wonders... Faith, glory of God, power, presence of God. Is that just here in this building? Come on, is it just here in this building? No. Where is it supposed to be? Everywhere we go. He's everywhere all the time. All the, it's the everywhere all the time kingdom. He's, it, there's no dichotomy. There's no separation between what's in here and what's out there. How do we live that life, this life? How do we demonstrate the kingdom? The key is the scepter of righteousness. It's the authority of righteousness. And so many of us are being tripped up by condemnation, guilt, and fear in the things of the past. And that we see the dark cloud before the Father and we hesitate. And the enemy wants us to stand on this side of the cross going, I am so horrible. I deserve judgment. Yes, you did. But Jesus. Come on. But Jesus, he made a choice for you. And he has now been given the scepter, the authority of righteousness. Out, out, you know. Now listen, when Jesus was here on the earth, he was still under the old covenant. How was it that Jesus was able to see what the Father was doing and do it, and hear what the Father was speaking and speak it, and teach what the Father had taught him and taught it to his disciples. How could he do that if the dividing wall of hostility had not been written to yet because he hasn't died on the cross? He still had to go in before the Father by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do, or should. He was without sin. Jesus was without sin, so therefore, because he had been given the Holy (laughs) Spirit, John's baptism, he could go in behind the dividing wall, the wall of judgment, the wall of his wrath because there was no wrath towards him. But because he was able to do that and he laid down his life for you and I, we now have the blood that covers us. That when we approach the dark cloud, we don't have to fear the wrath and the judgment of God. We step through the dividing wall of hostility, boldly into the presence of our Father. This ought to bring you new revelation to Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High and abides in the shadow. If you look at that picture and what it's really describing, it's describing the dark cloud. That when you find the secret place through righteousness, you can run in behind the dark cloud. And do you think the enemy is going to look for you there? No. He is not going anywhere near there because he knows the wrath and the judgment of God are appointed for him. And he is doing everything he can to get away from it. Mija, ¿qué pasa? Te quiero mucho. (laughs) Adiós. to all of our guests, I will not do that to you. I know her. Only to good friends. There is an encounter of righteousness the Lord wants to give to us, and I'm going to share with you an encounter that I had, and hopefully we will re-encounter that together this morning. But the picture I want to give to you is that you have not only have you been given the righteousness, the blood of Jesus, that allows you to go behind the, the dividing wall, the the veil that has been written to, but that, that we still we still see and perceive the dark cloud, but we don't have to fear the dark cloud because Jesus took upon Himself all of God's wrath and judgment for those that would put faith in Him that they would not have to receive the due penalty of the law because he paid it. Now, in talking about how to be disciples of Jesus and ruling and reigning in this life, we have to come into an encounter of his righteousness because his righteousness will begin to move and vibrate and resonate inside of us, and it will begin to cause us to make right decisions, right declarations, Right proclamations, right actions, not by our doing. You cannot, I cannot, hey, we cannot produce righteousness on our own. You cannot ever, 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 ever produce righteousness on your own. You have to go to him to get righteousness. And as you encounter him and his righteousness, and it it gets inside of you, you will start modeling and acting out and mirroring, mirroring, thank you, mirroring him. And as you begin to encounter his righteousness, and you say, be healed in Jesus' name, the authority of righteousness, right standing, that which is in heaven, here upon the earth, will be made manifest. I think many of us, myself included, I mean, we've been on a journey. We're being sanctified. We're, being, we're in a process of growing and going deeper and understanding and revelation and wisdom, which means knowledge and understanding, producing actions that are modeled out, that are all congruent. Do you understand? God wants to take what's up here and what's in here and make it manifest out here. And everything line up. Many of us don't think, and I'm going to speak because I can, I can sense it in the spirit in the room. Many of us don't think that we can heal. Many of us don't think that we can see the dead raised. Many of us don't think that we can, that we can go out onto the street and give a prophetic word and see it touch someone's life. Many of us think that because we are still seeing ourselves as little worms. And so therefore you don't get your faith is, in, is, is more in your, your past and the things that you've done wrong and your, your, that you deserve judgment than it is in what he's done for you and what the position he has given you and out of his righteousness flowing through you, manifesting what you see him doing, hear him speaking, and, what, and teach what he's de- telling you to teach. Let's go to the next scripture. I love this in Esther. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner quarter of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house. Think about this picture. The bride. Esther was the bride of the king. There was a protocol. In the kingdom, how many of you know there's a protocol when you're dealing with kings and queens? You just don't go up and hey, what up? Slam his skin. You don't do that with royalty. There is a protocol. There is honor. There is. A, do you do you follow what I'm saying? Okay, I don't need to beat the dead horse. So look at this picture. Let's look at the, I mean, this is something, this is documented history that happened, and it's a picture of the, of the king and his bride. We, the bride. We are the bride. And now it happened on the third day, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And then Esther went near and touched the top of her scepter. You can put this in your notes we won't go over it but Hebrews 10, 19 through 24 you can you can read that later but it's about holding fast to the confession of our faith and with boldness entering in to the throne of our father. What I'm here to say to you this morning is this. Is that we need an encounter with his righteousness. We need to touch the scepter of his righteousness. God has been doing so much in my life in this season of hiddenness that um, I, I've just been having encounter after encounter, and I've been processing, and I've been, been, been trying to figure out what does this all mean, and how does this all pertain, and how, what are you doing? But this is what I can tell you. I had an encounter with the Lord, okay? And in this particular encounter with the Lord, um, I've been seeing the dark cloud, and I understood that because of what Jesus did for me, I, didn't have to, I did not have to be afraid of the dark cloud. I could could understand the wrath and the judgment, but I knew that because Jesus had stood in my place and had become sin for me, that his blood covered me like a cloak and a mantle and that I could walk freely in. And I've been having these encounters where I would go in and I'm, I'm standing before the Father and he asks me, tell me what you see. And I won't go into all that I've been seeing, but I will share the one thing that I saw on that day, this day, that I'm sharing. And I saw his right hand. I mean, you want to talk about some smoking guns. I mean, his arm. I, 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 the strength and might in his arm was tangible. And in his arm was the scepter. And it was. And there are many different descriptions of, of of God's scepter in the Scripture, including iron, gold all types of stuff but needless to say what i saw in my encounter and this is just my encounter i'm not describing it to the word itself okay but this is my encounter i saw i saw gold i saw platinum i saw silver and i saw jewel encrusted and i saw this scepter and it was weighty it was heavy it was big and this scepter was the scepter of his righteousness and i'm standing before him and this this scepter in his hand was going I can't even. My voice won't even do what it was doing. It was so deep, it was so strong and powerful that literally all of heaven was vibrating in the vibration of this scepter of righteousness. Out of his rightness and right standing, in 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 Isaiah the prophecy is born unto us. um, I just completely went blank. A son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, out of order, but Wonderful Counselor. I've done several sermons on that passage. When it talks about his wonderful counsel, if you go back and you look in the Hebrew, it talks about that God's counsel, his rightness of his counsel, the truth of his counsel, the purity of his counsel, that his counsel is so profound, so just, so accurate, so right, that when it leaves its, his mouth, it automatically comes into existence. God spoke, and it was. This is, this, is, this is the heartbeat of heaven. It's his rightness, his justice, his truth, his love. There's no fault within him. It gives him every right to be God. And he's standing there with this scepter that represents all of his authority, all of his rightness, all of his justice, all of his, all his, his righteousness. And the whole thing is going, vroom, vroom, vroom. And all of heaven is resonating. In vibration, in sequence, in resonance with his rightness. And then he comes to me. And he puts the thing on my head, and my whole being just starts vibrating and resonating with his righteousness and I understood in that moment that we we cannot we cannot function from our understanding in our finite minds and somehow try to think that our performance our right actions somehow justify us to come to receive the gift of righteousness that he bought and paid for to give to us as a a gift by grace. By grace through faith. Grace is what? Unmerited favor and the power to do what you can't. When you begin to encounter His righteousness, everything in you will line up. Every, the vibration of His righteousness will vibrate in you and will tune you into the right frequency and vibration of heaven so that when you speak, that which is in heaven will come to earth because you are aligned in His righteousness. Hello? It's a key to walking out the kingdom of God in authority. The thing that I want to do today is I want you, <laughs> yeah, Father, he wants you to encounter his righteousness today. Not by anything that you're able to do, but by, it, by a free gift. It's a gift of righteousness. He wants you to begin to encounter his righteousness like you never have before. Because it will, it will breed inside of you not only an alignment and a resonance that you will be resonating at the same frequency that heaven resonates at out of his righteousness, his rightness. You will also be mirroring your father in heaven. Come on. That's what he wants us to do. We're little Christians, little anointed ones. We're copies of, of, the, of the original designed to make known his glory in all the earth. And the key to making that happen is by encountering his righteousness so that we align with him and then we act out of that place and heaven moves. That which is in heaven upon the earth. Amen. So everyone stand up this morning. We're going to have an encounter, a corporate encounter. Yea God. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just say, prepare our hearts. Help us to let go of old mindsets and paradigms that keep us from the truth. You are the truth. Holy Spirit, the Word says that you are the spirit of truth and that you lead us into all truth. We trust your character. We trust who you are. And we abandon ourselves to you right now that you want to take us before the Father. You want to take us before the Father. So I want you on the screen of your imagination, because it's a gateway and a portal to the things of the Spirit and the things that are in heaven. I want you to, on the screen of your imagination, I want you to see this dark, ominous, brooding cloud with lightning and peals of thunder. that it's, it, is, it is intricately woven with wrath and judgment. I want you to see the cloud. And now I want you to take the biggest, baddest, hairiest sin you have ever committed... And I want you to bring it before this cloud as you stand there. Are you doing that? (laughs) Now I want you to understand that as you're standing there in this place, there is one whose eyes burn like fire. Hey. (laughs) Who has a crown on his head. And he walks up and he stands at your right side. And he says, my name is Yeshua. Yamashia. I am Jesus the Messiah. And I am your advocate and intercessor. Okay, God. And Jesus is saying, He goes, plead your case to the Father. Tell the Father what you've done. Say, Father, I'm guilty. I want everyone to say it. Father, I'm guilty. We all have been guilty. And the Father turns to Jesus, and Jesus looks through the cloud to the Father, and He says, Father, I paid for this. I paid for it in full. And the Father executes his judgment. Now you have to understand that you're in a courtroom and what you didn't know is that your enemy is on the other side of you. You're the defendant and he's the plaintiff. And He's made accusation against you and you've confessed the accusation before the Father and Jesus said I'm your advocate, I'm your intercessor, and I paid for that. And now the Father is going to execute judgment on your life because of it. And he throws down the gavel, just like what happened with Rich, and he says, I can find no fault in you. You take That biggest, baddest, nastiest, hairiest sin, God's judgment over your life because of the blood of Jesus is this. I find no fault in you. But his judgment comes down, not just for the defendant, but also for the plaintiff. And in the fire of his love, he comes to consume you with the fire of his love, but to consume your enemy who will melt like wax before you. Now your enemy is being crispy crittered right now. Can't you hear him screaming and screeching? Ah, melting. And now Jesus takes you by the hand out from behind the bench, out from behind the gate that leads into the inner court, and he says, Come with me. And he walks you through that cloud. And he brings you and he presents you before the Father. And he says, Father, this is, my, this is my sister, this is my brother, your son, your daughter. And the Father looks at you with love and with compassion in his eyes and with affection in his heart. And he takes that, that scepter, just like an emperor, and he takes that scepter and he puts it upon your head. He extends his favor to you and he says, you are welcome in my court. You are welcome in my throne room. You are welcome to be received by me anytime, any day, and I place my righteous authority upon your life that you would begin resonating with me, my heart in your heart, my thoughts in your thoughts, my actions, your actions. you really are going to do greater things than Jesus did. As a matter of fact, both Jesus and the Father sitting on their thrones together with Jesus at the right-hand side, it's like I can see them, I can hear them. We have been waiting so long for a people, a generation, to believe that it's possible for the sons of God to, to be like Jesus, their big brother, to do the things that he did and do even greater. And to do it with with authority and humility. With confidence of sonship. But in the beauty of the Lord. He says now is the time. Now is the time. As we were worshiping today. we You can linger in that encounter if you'd like. Jason was in, exhorting us to. Encounter the Lord, and what I saw was I saw a beach in a very beautiful tropical paradise, and there were thousands of people. It was the church, and what I saw was a picture of like the tsunami that came many years ago um, now to Indonesia. But instead of it being a tumultuous wave, it was it was literally one big huge mountainous wave that was smooth and it was quiet, and literally the face of the wave was hundreds of feet high, and people were on the beach doing going about their business, but people began to catch a glimpse and began to be aware. And I saw people coming and grabbing their surfboards, and they were taking their surfboards, and they were running to the wave. And the word of the Lord was that they will not be consumed, but they will ride the wave, and yet they will even steer the course of the wave and ride it to its completion. It's time for us to awaken that the third great awakening is not far off. It is upon us. It is here. It is now. It's time to grab your surfboard and it's time to go surfing. Now, I grew up at the beach and that means a lot to me. Many of you may have grown up in a landlocked land. But let me tell you something. Riding a wave is one of the most beautiful, joyous, freeing, exhilarating things I can think to do. He's calling us. It's time to join him, because it's him. He wants you to vibrate and resonate in the in the understanding and the wisdom of his righteousness, so that you can join in in his authority to execute his righteous judgments, to bring judgment against disease. Brokenness, trauma, you are the manifestation of the good news. You are the sons of God, and He wants to reveal you in the earth. And the time has come. Join with Him. Amen. Amen. I want to call forth our worship. I mean, our prayer team. I'm apologize for going over, um, but thank you so much for your time. Um, If you need prayer in your body, if you need healing, if you are struggling with something, if there's any prayer need, please come forward. Let our our ministry team help you. And otherwise, I bless you and release you. Have a great day.